This week, we have a giant grab bag of quick hits. This is the Good Game, Bad Game podcast. This is a song I wrote about the Good Game, Bad Game podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Good Game, Bad Game podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, and with me is a man who <clears throat> co-host. It's my co-host, Mike. Mike. That's me. How are you? Wow. That was the most thought out introduction you've ever had. I don't know how much you were on Twitter the past week or two, I guess. I admittedly have not been on that much, but let me tell you what trend I fucking hated. Was that the thing where people were just like saying what they were? Companies saying one word tweets of what they do. Yeah. It, uh, I was so close to just anytime I saw a one word tweet, I was like, I'm going to block them. And there were there were a few. There were a few that I was like, oh, ho, ho, you're lucky I'm not that spiteful because you would have been blocked. <laughs> Let me tell why? You. why? 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 Why was I? I don't. I think Amtrak started it, funny enough, because we were just talking I, about Amtrak, but I think they I started it. Like, the trains! Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> That's literally what happened. <laughs> and then I think Pornhub responded and said, porn? Anyway, how are you? How was your week in games? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about how far we've fallen. Uh, like us as a podcaster? No, I well, I I don't know. I feel like we kind of. I don't know. I feel like we've maintained. <laughs> I feel like we've been fine, but society around us, boy, have they fallen. Just how lazy is that? I mean, I should have just tweeted like anxiety, or fact, or, yeah, or white, yeah. right? Like mm -hmm. one of those two things is privileged. Basically, my entire my entire identity. Oh my god. Basements. I can't. Yes. <laughs> Semen. <laughs> it's part of your name, dude. Don't blame me. Oh my god. Yeah, I just man, wow. We we are we are weird. We are a weird species. I think the worst thing, the worst part about it, just to keep going on this tangent, uh -huh. might as well. Is that we're here? Like each one, as lazy as they are, you know, and it was a cold hard easy 30k in likes you know or, or something mm -hmm. like that it's just like you just got so much like human interaction as a corporation because you tweeted burgers and your your company is wendy's that's bungers that's stupid to me bungers from bug snacks i wouldn't block i would like and boy. retweet <laughs> boy do i fucking love bungers let me tell you i love bug snacks I don't love the concept of bug snacks. All right. But I love bungers. Okay. We can get into that another time. Tell me about That's your weekend fun. games. What, what were you I playing? I need a game. Oh. Right. <laughs> and I almost said, and I almost said until dawn. <laughs> uh, which uh, let the record show that I beat many years ago. When yes. I was the only person at our party who would play it. I was scared. Okay. Everyone was. You're not alone, except for like <laughs> I was not. Um, I beat As Dusk Falls. Nice. 
like I, I think it was like the day we recorded last I was I was like man I really want to play this game again so I said I'm gonna play it nice uh, and I was on the last chapter of what is currently released and oh my god so fucking good love to hear that I, I I'm not surprised whatsoever but love to hear that you can you can tell they set it up for like more or I think they're books or chapters or something. Okay. And you can tell they set it up to kind of like continue, and I just, I just want it. I just want it. That's the best. I, I hope. I hope. I, I can't wait for them to release it. Um, this is easily top three best games of 2022 that I've played. Nice. That's um, wait. Is that because you've only played three new games? And, and that's stretching it, probably. <laughs> but, um, God, it's just so good. The story. Oh, my God. And the accessibility of it. I mean, I've, I've played it on Series X. I've played it on my phone. I played it on my laptop. All one, like, story. The oh. same game. I, I've literally found every reason to play it. And I have. God, it's been so good. I'm very jealous. This is this is giving me like FOMO. I like I am again, this is one of those things where like oh well, I don't know, I guess. This is exclusive to like Xbox and PC, right? Mm-hmm. At this point. It is, yeah. God, I want it to go to PlayStation so bad. I want it to go to Switch. I want it to go to mobile. Like I just want people to play this game because it is so good. And it like, so this, I guess this is something, uh, and I don't know, I think I might have talked about this before, but I think it's worth bringing up again. It is so accessible. Like there, there are so many options to allow everyone to play this game. You know, whether you're, um, you know, completely able or, or handicapped or, you know, if, if you even if you have um, emotional, like severe emotional instability, mm-hmm. which I don't say that as a negative thing, because I feel like everyone has something to some degree, but they give you options. They tell you before like each chapter, like, hey, if you have this, this or that, here's the option to, to skip that if that's going to trigger some sort of that. Ne- negative feeling in your mind which is the first time that i've seen that in a game that's incredible that is yeah that is so granular mm-hmm. and so easy to just overlook that's i mean i know it plays into the snowflake narrative right like yeah, yeah. that, that, we're, that we're all too fragile but like mm-hmm. i mean you don't know what anybody has or is going through and so they're literally taking that into account and that's it's, insane that is so awesome just, and not to put too much pressure on developers it's not at all what i'm going for but it's decisions like that that are between enduring and ending a life yeah i unfortunately unfortunately that's the world we live in but the fact that they took the time to think about this and again this is the importance of diversity in building games yep and having people who don't come from the same story just just amazing 
that they thought about this stuff. You know, I noticed it when when watching um, a few of the Disney Plus shows recently that came out had like had notices at the beginning like, hey, there might be events in this episode that may be triggering for some audiences. But it was Stranger Things that like spelled it out. They were like, we made we made the show before um that uh that school shooting in texas that had happened Mm -hmm. and they were like we made the show before before that happened um and they like had a whole thing about how like you know you know keep that in mind if you need to skip like the the intro like do that obviously but they they like spelled it out for you like here's what might trigger for you like exactly like you know what you're about to get into and i thought that was like that that caught me off guard i was like holy shit like good on them for for recognizing that like yeah this might be incredibly traumatic for somebody to watch um to your point yeah i hope i hope i hope more people start doing that yeah and it's it's such a paradigm where like that scene came up and I told Justine, I was like, well, that's kind of a spoiler. Because it, it straight up says in, in the game that this scene um, shows a depiction of suicide. Mm-hmm. And they say, like, if you want to skip this or if you're vulnerable to those feelings, you should skip this. Um, and I, I don't remember if this is the case or not, but I do think they include resources within that. Like, if, you're, if you think this scene would cause oh, yeah. these feelings to... But I, I don't know if that's that's true or not. That's I played that scene a month ago now, but that's sticking in my brain. Um, and it's like one of the things is like, well, that's kind of a spoiler. And then I thought about it, and it's like, you kind of just with how the story has gone so far, you kind of have to imagine that is going to happen. And altogether, it's better that I have a spoiler than somebody has something that triggers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something I didn't take to Twitter with, like to see how other people were feeling about it. Because I imagine it's probably like a lot of people saying, oh, like spoiler alert, things like that. But that that kind of stuff matters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in the online, like I said, people don't realize that people are living different experiences outside of their own. And sometimes it takes... It takes a, a cold bucket of water to the face to to finally realize that, and hopefully someday those people do. But for the time being, they'll yeah. they'll cry, fragile snowflake, and stuff like that. And it's like, man, that like you know, you're lucky to be able to say those things because, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, must be nice. You think you think about it like they're they 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 put that in there for a reason. They put that in there for a reason because it could be you know triggering for somebody to see those things mm-hmm. um and again you can play it you can witness that stuff yeah it doesn't take away from the game for you exactly the fact that they have built a game and built a story where you can skip those things and not miss anything mm-hmm. is is incredible and it's just it's just another uh you know we've seen just 
in the past two, three years, accessibility and gaming beyond physical disability mm-hmm. and um, just, just to, um, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's the clinical term, but in, even in mental disability, mm-hmm. um, you know, these are things that I, in my opinion, most people have to consider that. It just, it just really goes to show how important that is to have that kind of diversity on a, on a team. Definitely. But beyond that, um, not that I wanted to take half an hour with our podcast diverging from our, from our plan, but I thought it was important because I thought, you know, it's something uh, is kind of new in gaming. Uh, as Dusk Falls incredible game for anyone and would absolutely recommend and real quick just in case people want to see just to just on the topic of like disabilities in gaming two great follows on twitter um that i've really loved following steve sailor he's legally Mm -hmm. blind um you know uh he's a huge he talks about it constantly uh but in terms of accessibility he actually has a new show coming out that i'm really interested in watching where he has like people on to to play like games like with him and i i I believe the idea is to talk about like you know the difficulties that come with playing that game you know being a disabled gamer I'm, i'm really excited for it and then Steven Spawn, so two Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Spawn's super inspirational, so a, an incredible follow. Um, but yeah, those are those are two great people to follow to keep up with, like to hold like companies accountable. Basically, are they actually doing things for like accessibility? Because it's super important. It's the it's the best way to get more people to game um, is to try and open as many doors and locks as possible. So we've talked about it plenty uh but i'd recommend following those two um yeah anything else as dusk falls anything else um nothing worth mentioning i did uh start downloading the update to cyberpunk today today's the day that the patch was updated uh so i fully intend on playing cyberpunk again within the next week and that's just the edge runners pack right just the edge runners, yes. Uh, today, uh, what is it? Tuesday, September sixth. They were recording. Uh, CDPR did have an event outlining the roadmap. Edge runners is today, and then they have the Netflix special uh, in November, maybe. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then they have. Now, um, what's the update? They're having a full content update in, I think, February of next of twenty twenty three. Full story. It's got Keanu Reeves. Uh, seems super fucking interesting. And God, if if Cyberpunk is one of those games where they keep pumping content out to add to the story, I will be fully in. I am so far in love with the lore of that game. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just to dip into that whole conversation, because we were planning on talking about it, the everything they were showing just seemed so 
uh, just so sick. And they also are overhauling. I think it's a part of the update. Like, uh, sorry, like the. Well, I don't know. Real quick, is it DLC? Like, are is it? Uh, hang on. I think it is DLC. Is it going to be free? First off, I believe. I believe it is a free update. Okay, I feel like it's going to be DLC because of how big it's going to be. Because it's going to be like Witcher Three, if I if I'm thinking about this right. Uh, either way, uh, I think it's. Witcher. Did you have to pay for that Witcher update? No, they were all free. Okay. Every DLC. I, there's, I... there's two. I lie. There was two expansions as a part of a season pass that you had to pay for. That's my bad. Okay. I think, so I think if I'm remembering, I, uh, it's been so long. They had like 18 pieces of like add-on content that were definitely free though. That that was like Gwent cards, uh, like a mm-hmm. mount, you know, different different like cosmetic things basically for sure that were free. Yeah. But this this might be, I guess, this might be paid for. This might be either pay or it would be a part of a free update. I guess. I my guess is it's going to be free. I don't. I, I personally would pay for it. I was going to say, have, would you pay $15? Because that's probably yeah, what it would cost. Absolutely. I was going to say, I think I would too. I think I would I, too. I, I enjoyed, after the initial, like, in air quotes, next-gen update for for Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. that game owes me nothing. Yeah. Nothing else. I paid. I would absolutely pay $15 for more content. Um, I don't think it's going to be paid, though. I think it's gonna be free. That's my that's my guess. That's the only I thing don't though. Think they didn't say they didn't say like specifically. I don't think. Unless I missed it. But I don't think they said specifically whether or not it was you had to pay for it or not. So we'll I'm see. I'm I'm reading an IGN article now and it just says that the new content is gonna be called Phantom Liberty. Mm-hmm. Follow protagonist V as a pledge allegiance to the new United States of America, something that Johnny Silverhand, who's confirmed to be returning, does not agree with whatsoever. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, yeah, my guess is that it's going to be included. And like you said, the if fact that not, they got Keanu back and everything. Uh-huh. So sick. Yeah. Even if not, I'm paying for it. I'm like so far in. Cyberpunk has become one of those series that i'm so far in on like i plan on watching edge runners mm-hmm. uh today they showed the american voiceover for edge runners uh, i should say the english version of, of edge runners american english um i'm excited for that uh, that being said i mean it's kind of like squid game where like i watched it in Korean, but just had the American voiceovers, and part of me is kind of thinking about doing that again. So it's more like to what they were trying to build. But God, I'm so excited! Today was such an exciting day. Yeah, I um, I'm also realizing because I think what I was, I'm thinking, unless correct me if I'm wrong, is the police like system overhaul is that a part of the edge edge runners update or is that a part of the 2023 update uh, i don't know i think i, I want to say it's part of the 2023 so that would lead more credence to it being a free update so this is from the verge there's a new performance mode on series s which is apparently nuts 
tool for installing and making mods. I'm guessing that's on console. This update is apparently for next gen consoles only. Yeah. Well, the I'm sorry. 1.6 is for PS4 and Xbox One. The Phantom. Phantom Liberty is only for next gen, which is exciting. Yeah. Um. New wardrobe. Um, Cross-platform, which means you can load your Steam Deck save file from PS5 and pick where we left off. That's really cool. That's pretty sick. I'll say this. If you haven't picked up Cyberpunk yet, and you're one of those people like myself who sometimes has a hard time like rolling back into DLC after playing through a game... I would honestly at this point hold off until this update comes out and then roll through the entirety of it because cyberpunk is definitely worth experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I don't see anything about the police system, but that would be interesting. Yeah. I, I saw a thing that they're overhauling it and like making it better because that was something that a lot of people felt was pretty lacking. And honestly, I'm trying to like rack my brain and I feel like I was in a police pursuit very infrequently in comparison to like GTA lawyer. You feel like you're in a police pursuit every two seconds because you accidentally ran over somebody on the sidewalk. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I can't, I really can't remember, but I, 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 I can remember that I don't feel like I was in one very often. So to see that kind of be overhauled to, to make it, it just makes the city more alive, right? Like, uh, yeah, you can't just it's get nice. away with running over an entire sidewalk of people and then just move on with your life, which happens right. in like plenty of games where it's just like not really factored in. But like to kind of have that added in would would definitely make it feel more alive. Yeah, I agree. I have found that like, and I was sure if it was by design, but like the police were pretty much non-existent. Which I mean in like a futuristic like city that has it's like parts of the the city that like you know clearly nobody cares about it's yeah. it's not far-fetched to think like police presence would be non-existent or like you know yeah. it's a big city and maybe they're going the route of like it's a corrupt police system whatever so like neither one of those is is necessarily hard to to imagine like doesn't necessarily take away from the experience but again like to to potentially unfairly compare it to like gta 5 where it's like such like a you can just you feel like you can just like walk around the world which we both said you can definitely do in cyberpunk but it definitely adds to it yeah yep um well we touched on one thing before we get into the rest of it i do want to say that I have played a lot more Saints Row, and the more time I put into it, the more fun I'm having with it. Really? Yeah, definitely would say, um, for the most part, I would ignore most of the negativity around it. If you're looking for just like a fun, pretty whatever game, um, I haven't been, I haven't like put, and I think this might be my saving grace to some extent, but you think about it, like reviewers play a lot of a game, you know, to, to, try and get like as much out of it as possible before putting out their review and sometimes when you rush through a game it can kind of ruin your experience a bit 
And so I don't know if maybe that's to blame or or whatever, because there's definitely repetitive parts of it, but I've been playing it in like, you know, I think the longest amount of time I put into it in one go is like maybe four hours. Um, and that was like on a weekend and I wasn't really getting tired of it, you know, but I could see where it's repetitive that if you, you know, try to put 12 straight hours into it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it would get old and like, you'd maybe start to notice some more of the cracks, but I think for the most part, it, it's, it's fine. Really. Um, I still find the dialogue that people find annoying to be fairly funny. Um, and just like, you know, you roll your eyes and you, you exhale, you know, because it's, mm-hmm. it's stupid, but I, I, I've, I'm still enjoying it. And, um, uh, I'm only 35% through the game in terms of my save file. So, uh, I feel like I still have a good bit. Um, but even the story has me, I don't think the story is like lacking necessarily. Like people were saying that it felt whatever, but I kind of disagree. I think it's fun. So it's Saints Row. It's in that, it's in that vein. So I've wanted to play it so bad. Well, there's my ringing endorsement for it. Maybe I'll really mess with people and get a lot of stadia. <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, real quick, this is nothing to do with anything that we're talking about today, really. Do you think that the price of a game should go into the um, the like score of it? So, like the fact that Saints Row is sixty dollars, should that impact how you feel about the score, or should price not really be taken into consideration? And like a a free game that's just a bonus, like oh, this game is this, this, and this, and this. But also, mm-hmm. it's free. But like, should a should that you know push a if a free game's a nine, but because it's free, it's a ten. Like, should that matter or no? I think that's a really fair question. Um, I, I'm leaning towards no. It shouldn't matter because at some point, any game is going to be free. <laughs> That's true. I guess, I guess as, as in terms of like, I don't know. I don't think the new Saints Row should be a free game. At the end of the day, it's still a full game. Mm-hmm. You know? And this is kind of the double-edged blade of reviewers getting early copies in that you're, you're fully informed as a consumer. And if you really want to play the game at $60, you can. Mm-hmm. You can assume it's going to be less at some point. Right. So I'm leaning towards no as my answer to that. I agree. I But I think sometimes in today's world, it is taken into consideration. I will say this. Jeanette Garcia, I appreciate that she said the game was garbage. And somebody said, oh, do you think I should wait to play it on Game Pass? And she said, no, I think that a bad game is always bad, regardless of whether it's free or not, because your time is what matters, not the money you put into it. Right. And I actually like I really appreciated that. Like that was her stance on it, because like she's not taking into consideration the fact that it's a $60 game that I'm assuming she had a review code for. I shouldn't assume these things, but she reviewed it before the game even came out. So like, right. you know, um, and whether that was like in partnership with kind of funny or whatnot, but like, regardless, like 
she most likely was playing it for free and so i i that's the other thing i kind of hate is when reviewers take into consideration price of a game but didn't have to pay anything for it yeah to like give it an extra knock or something but no i really appreciated that she basically said no i think that uh a bad game is is bad no matter what and a good game is good no matter what essentially um so i was just curious what your thoughts were on that i i get that sentiment i i would seldom argue with it from a personal standpoint i am fully willing to play what is popularly considered to be a bad game if i don't have to pay for it price of it is included within a subscription or or i don't with it agreed i i agree with i agree with you but i Mm -hmm. i i get what she's saying oh yeah i fully there's plenty of other games to play but if there's Mm -hmm. a game that piques my interest but people are saying shit i'll wait till it's free and then still play it yeah team same team uh, yeah absolutely but again fully respect what she's saying yeah i think it's a great point and i think i think people shouldn't take price into consideration when it comes to rating a game but it's hard i mean it's hard to like not say like you know the 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 quote-unquote value of it doesn't play an impact because it technically does in some cases um yeah all right let's get into actually what we want to talk about today so i said at the top we have a giant grab bag we talked we talked about one of the things already so we can cross cyberpunk off the list um but yeah, basically, this is kind of a glimpse into the chaotic uh, Discord chat Mike and I have together, where we just throw random articles in and decide what sticks. And none of these feel like we need to spend a ton of time on. Um, so we're just going to go through exactly the order that we have in here and only skip one additional thing uh, and talk about it at the end. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can get a glimpse at how Mike and I set up our episodes. Um, so first up... Uh, Sony's uh, Mas- Masayasu. I hope I'm saying that right, but I'm pretty sure I am. I'm Mas- glad you tried it before I had to. What's that? I said I'm glad you had to try that name before I had to. I'm almost positive. It's Masayasu Ito. And apologies if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but he was the lead engineer uh, for, uh, or led engineering for both the PS4 and the PS5. Um, but he was announced as retiring. And my response to that was, it's over. PlayStation's dead. Um, <laughs> some some people are taking the approach, the, the Verge article in like the kind of subheading is saying like Sony could be planning um, for its next generation. And so maybe it makes sense for, you know, out with the old and with the new. Um, which is definitely an interesting sentiment. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking back, uh, on, on the PS4 and the PS5 and what, you know, has brought two very great systems. I mean, maybe that's just, you know, uh, in part of like the times, but like, you know, it's, you know, putting out a system similar to like the PS5 or the series, the Xbox series consoles, you know, it's going to be good because of like when it comes out. But I mean, credit to Xbox and, and what they have. But I mean, I, I love my PS5 and I loved my PS4. And, um, you know, again, I think two consoles that just absolutely nailed when they came out. 
Um, so, uh, basically a legend when you think about it, uh, with, with two consoles under his belt. Um, and it'll be exciting to see who steps up. I think currently it's, uh, there was an update. Hideki Nishino, uh, mm-hmm. the senior vice president is going to kind of be stepping in and taking responsibility. Uh, but it, I mean, it's, I guess kind of just exciting to think that like they're already planning the, I'm going to imagine because Sony at least has sen- uh, sensible naming conventions. What is the PS six? Um, maybe the new hardware chief will throw a wrench in that and say, no, this, my baby needs to be called this. But, uh, I mean, it's like exciting to think that like they are working on it, even though it's not necessary and, um, very interesting. Yeah. I, I think the, the main speculation is here that they would probably work on a retirement time that works for both sides. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so mo- most people are speculating that Sony are starting to consider what a PS6 looks like, uh, which makes sense. I mean, believe it or not, which it shocks me every day, we're two years into the current console cycle. Yep. Which means we're probably about five years away from announcements. So... That's about enough time to develop the hardware. Develop what this is going to look like. I imagine that the, I mean the the, the PS five and the and the Series X. I'd say marginal the upgrade. Um, I'd say out of every console generation, it's probably been the least big upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um. From a consumer standpoint, I mean, from a hardware standpoint, I don't want to discredit all the work that hardware engineers do. Because, I mean, the storage changes between the PS4 and the PS5 are obviously significant. Right. Um, even just the general APU hardware. Like, it's it's nothing to scoff at. But yeah, I think that the PlayStation 6, whatever the next Xbox is, is going to be a significant jump. So having five years now before an announcement, I don't think that the PS5 is going to be launched in five years. I think, or the PS6, I think it'll be announced in five years mm-hmm. just based on the current climate. So I think it's good timing. Yeah. I, I like your point about like the jump and the change because... I, I would agree, but do you also kind of get that feeling in the back of your like head, you know, in your stomach where it's like, we're all like at the same time as we're holy shit, two years into the cycle, we're also only two years into the cycle. And yeah. so we're about to hit like the midway point. And isn't that when sometimes just some of the like, I mean, obviously end of the life cycle is when you're fully utilizing the full power, but you know, two years in, we're still focusing on maybe last gen a little bit. And so sometimes that's limiting, you know, the time and energy we're putting into current gen. I mean, do you kind of feel like we're a year away from just seeing insane stuff or do you think it's going to, you think it's probably going to hold off until the PS six when it makes like a, uh, an actual leap? I mean, I don't think we've seen the full potential 
the full potential exactly yeah we've basically i mean in a couple different circumstances you know we've seen what the next gen can do like Mm -hmm. for, for sony's example um the new horizon game miles morales um add anything else that you'd like uh, I could speak to the Xbox side and saying like the new Forza mm-hmm. uh, flight sim. I mean, even Halo. I mean, I know that's kind of controversial, but Halo feels like a next gen game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, you know, we look at the PS4 and we see what games came out with that, like Killzone and Knack, and mm-hmm. which were great games. They were, I mean, they were huge jumps. The, the the jump from PS3 to PS4 was massive. Insane, yeah. Yeah. But even then, when we got to, like, mid-gen or end-of-gen, and we saw, like, The Last of Us Part Two, and it's like, holy shit, how can they, de- how can they be developing a game like The Last of Us Part Two on six-year-old hardware? Yeah seven-year-old hardware that's i think i i think the game that will give me my true reading on things and this is coming from obviously having a ps5 is going to be Mm spider-man 2 Mm spider-man 2 is going to show me and that that that's hopefully don't get me wrong there have been a lot of holy shit moments with this gen you know just loading screens and 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 the visuals are, are are stunning right don't get me wrong but Spider-Man 2, I think, is going to be that true, or, or even Ragnarok, potentially. Um, but but I think Spider-Man 2 is going to be that moment um, for, for me personally, where I'm going to load it up and I'm going to, you know, the, the buildings are going to look so freaking realistic. And mm-hmm. um, that'll, that'll be the true, that'll be the true moment of like, holy shit, we're in it. Um, and the game should also be like twice the size of PS5 games that have been coming out here, like thus far, right? Because um, that's typically what also happens with with the jump is that games are smaller, we'll say, um, and in some cases with the PS5 and and the Series X, they're like smaller than their counterparts, mm-hmm. which is very interesting to think about. But you know, GTA on the PS4 is how many gigs like 80 gigs or something stupid like that and like it shows like you're like playing a game that's like yeah okay well it's definitely worth the size (laughs) um and i think yeah like i said i think spider-man 2 is going to be that moment um i hope yeah i i hope storage sizes don't change like i hope they're at a point where like oh we can compress this this and that yeah it's game is a ps4 game but we'll see i mean you look at the call of duty games and i don't think activision really gives a shit about how much space you're taking up at your console but yeah take up half your internal storage yeah on a good day (laughs) um just crazy to think about like uh someone stepping down causes us to think Mm -hmm. about what's to come and it's five years away absolutely insane yeah, um, it, it, it's in my opinion a good time to transition, okay? Because you're going to have a mid-gen update, right? Hopefully, um, I don't think the hardware change is going to be that significant, but obviously the form factor will be, right? And, you know, and I imagine that being announced within the next year, maybe two. 
Um, and that's kind of a good lean in for the next, you know, chief of hardware. You know, and then they can start planning for what's actually next. Right. Yeah. Big congrats to Masayasu Ito. Mm-hmm. All right, our next little quick hit. Uh, some discourse around the Callisto Protocol, Glenn Schofield's comments. Um, this is, there. I don't know, if, again, I don't know how much you were online. Um, this happened, I think, I want to say it was over the weekend, maybe. Um, maybe late last week. Glenn Schofield tweeted out, uh, and this has now been deleted, uh, said, quote, I only talk about the game during an event. We're working six to seven days a week. Nobody's forcing us. Exhaustion, tired, COVID, but we're working. Bugs, glitches, perfect fixes. One last pass through audio, 12 to 15 hour days. This is gaming, hard work, lunch, dinner, working. You do it because you love it. And look, love it. Love the passion. That's great. You love what you do. That's the dream. But to, to tweet that in the climate of gaming where crunch is just about the ugliest thing outside of Bobby Kodak in the gaming sphere. Kind of tone deaf to tweet something like that out. Um, you do it because you love it? Well, or do they do it, Glenn, because if they don't, it'll impact whether or not they get a promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are more than happy to put in a six-day week working 12 hours a day because they're that passionate about a project. I don't doubt that necessarily. Mm-hmm. But again, we just know how ugly crunch can be in the game industry. And this is for a game that's like ramping to come out. Um, I'm trying to think when... Uh, according to the article, December second. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's 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 getting ready to come out, and you're you're talking about this like it's because December second set in stone, and not just a fictitious yeah. day that can be moved at any time in the grand scheme. Um, he he followed up and said, "Anyone who knows anyone who knows me knows how passionate I am about the people I work with." Earlier, I tweeted how proud I was of the effort, the hours the team was putting in. That was wrong. We value passion and creativity, not long hours. I'm sorry to the team for coming across like this. And again, maybe it was super, like, maybe he didn't mean any harm in tweeting it. That could very well be. But it also reads as, yeah, if you work 12 to 15 hours a day because you're doing it because you love it, you're working through your lunch or dinner uh, because that's just how games are. Isn't that an issue? Look in the mirror kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm a little torn on it. And I and I don't say that to sympathize with like managers who believe that crunch is just a part of gaming. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand that crunch is not bad for the people who want that to be their lives sure but as a manager you cannot assume that everyone wants that not everyone is married to their career 
I think everyone who works in gaming appreciates the fact that they work in gaming because it's that's a feat, no matter your position. Mm -hmm. If you work for a gaming company, that's a feat, no matter what you do. But you should not have to feel like you're working 70, 80 hours a week to be valuable. Right. And, And there are people who are willing to do that. They lead an entirely different life that you lead. Maybe they don't have a, a, a close family that spending time with is important. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have side hobbies. Maybe they literally just want to work on a project, go to sleep for a couple hours and come back and work on that project. And that's great. Right. Applaud them. That doesn't have to be your life. And, and that shouldn't necessarily be the reason somebody gets a promotion right like somebody shouldn't get a promotion just because they they worked 88 hours instead of somebody working 40 right like yeah okay they're showing how passionate they are about it but like that can't be like the sole reason right Um, it's go ahead in my opinion and i've worked in hr for a number of years it's it's a hard paradigm because you know you get the people who work nonstop. Mm mm-hmm and they're obviously committed to their career and they should be rewarded because of that. Sure. But you also, the sweet spot is having opportunity for the people who want want to be married to their career. Like obviously they're going to get to the higher positions and there's nothing you can do about that. There are people who want to work for their, like they want that to be their entire living. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have a family. And that's fine. You need to have positions for those people because they're committed to the company. But you also need to have opportunity for people who can only work 40 hours a week, who have a family, who have other right obligations in life to take care of. They have pets, they have kids, yeah. they have a spouse. This this goes hand in hand with just like a, 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 an issue, you know, for America as a whole where, mm-hmm. you know, you work 40 hours a week and that's what you're you know to do like that is you know it'll it'll be framed as that's the bare minimum but it's like no that's that's what you are paid to do you are paid to work whatever it is the hours you are to work and doing that shouldn't be the bare minimum that's that's you that's it like that's you know the the bare minimum would be doing just enough to not get fired and and simply working the hours you're supposed to work shouldn't be doing just enough to not get fired right like that's insane um i think our our great great friend of the show mason sherbert said it very you know i mean he is so anti-crunch that he will sniff out a crunch article like it's nothing but he brought up a very good point. He said, this from a studio head is crunch culture defined. Of course, nobody is, quote, forced to work insane hours. But imagine the reduced bonuses and lack of promotion opportunities if you don't. Quote, you do it because you love it. That's weaponized passion. This is why people burn out of gaming. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 100% right. He's 100% right. Uh, and to go back to it, I don't, I I want to truly believe that Glenn Schofield didn't mean anything by it. He, he I think, was gen, genuinely passionate about it and that's awesome that's great what a privilege to love what you do but again you just you have to feel like 
the 12 to 15 hour days. There are some people who are doing it because they feel like they have to, whether you want to believe that or not. Yeah, they may love what they're doing, but nobody, just because you love what you're doing doesn't mean you love doing it for 12 hours, right? Mm-hmm. So here's, here's where I'm at with it. You know, CEOs are paid what they're paid because their life is their work in 90% of circumstances, Mm -hmm. you should provide opportunities to people who their life is their work. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be more than people who have a family, have obligations outside of work. However, it should still be fair because working 40 hours a week, you know, Spending a third of your time of your life away from your family is hard. Mm -hmm. And they should be paid fairly for that. Yeah. So I I think there should, I think it should be tiered. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think that people who just want to work the bare minimum should be work, should be paid the same amount as people who make this their life. Mm -hmm. However, I think that people who want to have a life outside of work should have fair opportunity to, still thrive not just survive yep agreed and it's just a different paradigm and i think people need to realize that people's lives are different and that applies to people who want to work and have that be their life and not so and i and i think you know glenn schofield um and i and i'm sure he's very sympathetic in, in his apology but like it was obviously tone deaf that not everyone at your company is thinking the same way as you. Right. It's always, it's always a thing for people of that, that and that's brain type thing. to brag about how much they're working. Right. But that's the thing. He didn't brag about how much he was working. He bragged about how much the team was working. If he yeah. said that he was pulling 12 to 15 hours, because that's just how passionate he is. And because he just feels so strongly about this project. And he's not saying that I do 12 to 15 hours because I love it. And, you know, and, and people who don't do 12 to 15 hours don't love it. He's not like, you know, it, it's, it's a matter of how he, how he like framed the, the tweet and everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, it like definitely came across as a bit, a bit tone deaf. And again, I, I, I truly want to believe that he didn't mean anything about it. I'm very excited for this game. Um, you know, but I, I would hate. I'd hate to to think that we're three months out. That's a lot of time. I would hate to think that people are being essentially, whether it's, you know, it's not literal, but essentially are being forced to work 15 hours a day simply to get this thing out for a fairy tale date. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it's not that important. It's just not that important. Yeah. I think my final comment, a comment on it is you should never force anybody. You should tell people there's opportunity here. Yeah. You want to work extra hours, but you are not forced to, and you will not like, it's not going to show up on your performance re- review next year because we set out an unrealistic date. Yeah. Agreed. And you had to work extra because of it. I that's think, I think developers need to be mindful of that. Yeah. And, but that's a, that's a tight line to walk. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the easy solution to this is nobody's allowed to work over 40 hours right. a week and you push the release day back. Right. Exactly. Which I think is fucking fine, but there's just the stigma in the industry that it's not. Can't do like, it. Can't do we it. We could end this fucking conversation. Oh, man. It's nuts. It's, it's completely fucking nuts. 
and it's just so crazy because again i truly want to believe that he was just being passionate but yeah his passionate tweet led us down this road and it's just insane um i'm like i said i'm still very i'm still very much looking forward to the callisto protocol um but yeah that was uh that was like an ugly truth that i was kind of shown i was i was was being shown how the sausage was made and i was not too not too proud of myself for it Mm -hmm. um all right i said we're going through our discord i'm swear i say that but boom pivot we're skipping over one thing um to to talk about it in a second but first um moving on to the next thing it was announced this past week or or within the past week that halo infinite forge was getting released in uh, november but split screen co-op has been canceled um and you said right at the beginning before we even started recording you were like i don't know if i need to talk about halo and i believe to paraphrase you you've played it you played it when it released but you haven't touched it in quite some time mm-hmm. and i don't necessarily want to get into the discourse or the upsetness about where the current state of halo is necessarily uh, my general just overarching question that i think i've seen a lot of people raise is it i uh, let me think about this it who dropped the ball here is 343 to blame because a lot of people are saying microsoft needs to take 343 off of halo or is microsoft to blame for how halo has gone um and i'm kind of curious because you're a bit more in the ecosystem um you've played halo uh mm-hmm. i'm just wondering if you have any semblance of uh, of a take on that because uh just to quickly summarize, I think, uh, and, and what I saw was a great point, is that, you know, Microsoft has in the past kind of fumbled the bag in terms of not realizing what they've had, and that that being Bungie. Um, and so, you know, is it really 343 to blame? Or is, is Microsoft kind of fumbling again? Here's my answer in short and long. Perfect. If you don't like what 343 is doing, Activision is going to make the next Halo. Like, if, I person- if you're saying fire 343, uh-huh. Activision is going to make the next Halo. Correct. Like, be careful what you wish for? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I that's that's where I'm at. That's That's my statement in short. Now, to get into detail about that, I think ideally Bungie is could be the best creator of Halo. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen at this point. I personally have enjoyed every Halo that 343 has made. I don't know why people are so mad. I do think that 343 overthought the Halo multiplayer. I think it was good from the start, and then they caved too much to what people were asking for, and they just couldn't provide it. Mm-hmm. But I, I when when Halo Infinite came out, I really enjoyed the multiplayer. And I think they were listening too much to what people were pissed off about. And then, like, obviously, if you listen to the voices that are the most pissed off, they will never be happy. Correct. Because they want perfection. And you're not going to get that. I think what Halo Infinite came out as was as good as it was going to get. And that's great. I, w- I would probably still be playing it if it still were what it was. Um, 
And candidly, the reason I'm not playing it is not because of what the game became. It's because of what my life became and just not <laughs> having time for it. Um, but like, where do you go? You're gonna you're gonna try to chase out three four three. You're gonna make three four three the fall guy. Mm-hmm. Who's and and you know Halo is not going away as long as Xbox lives. So does Halo, right? So who does it next? Okay, look at your portfolio. It's not going to be Gearbox or not Gearbox. Um, whoever makes uh, Gears of War, it's not going to be them because they have Gears of War. The Coalition. Yeah, or I think that's co- who. Or made the it. Collective. It's one. It's something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, it, it's just it's not going to be any other studio but three four three except. Right. For Activision, it's a really good point. I never considered and, that. And I, in my opinion, if Halo becomes Call of Duty, I'm just not interested. Right. Because I, in my opinion, Halo still has this nostalgic, classic, like arena shooter feel to yeah. it. Yeah. Something that Call of Duty just cannot provide at this point. So yeah, I, I think what what you said. If you're if you're a Halo fan, if you're an Xbox fan, be careful what you wish for, because the, the next batter up is Activision. That's a really really good point. Yeah, and I mean, and then and then you're gonna have one of those moments where three four three goes on to you know make their own game, and yeah. they make something they're gonna make in, the- in the vein of Destiny or something yeah. like that that blows up and, yeah. and is received very well, and it's like. Oh man, why didn't they? Why didn't they stick with Halo? Like, why couldn't they mm-hmm. make Halo this good? And then it's like, well, like at that point, you know, two's a pattern, right? Like one, it's like up in the air. Like maybe it was Bungie messing it up, but uh, you know, we see three four three get pushed out, and it's like, well, we might see what the true pattern is. I think the biggest issue that three four three made, or the biggest pro, the worst mistake that three four three made was listening to the players. Yeah, and that's listening, the other thing. Listening to the loud majority. The loud minority. The loud minority, yeah. Yeah, because so a Reddit post blows up and, you know, is the top of r slash Halo and it's shitting on the game and talking about this overhaul. And then you look and it has 1.9K upvotes. Mm-hmm. I would like to imagine that the player base for halo like you think you ever think about that like the people who are actually playing the game or so many of the people who are actually playing the game are so offline like they never like look at anything other than like they occasionally type in halo news on google Mm -hmm. like and they're just reading updates and stuff like that but they're not actually like going into like uh what would you call that uh like a chat room essentially to talk about discourse uh or that's full of discourse regarding Halo. Like they just avoid all that stuff and don't even know it exists. And they're just like, yeah. oh, that's weird that Halo is deciding to do this change. Like there's so many people who literally just don't say anything and they just play the game. And it's just crazy to think about because, you know, like personally, I know that I'm 
fairly online in terms of like you know browsing twitter and stuff and so i'll see a lot of the discourse and it's like after a while console wars for example you take into consideration that there's a dude who just plays nba and call of duty on his playstation and doesn't even realize outside of his one friend who says oh you play playstation like doesn't even realize that there's a quote-unquote console war and that's wild to me and like there's it's probably more people than you actually realize you know, that mm-hmm. just, just do not care whatsoever. Um, and to your point, I think, yeah, sometimes developers, not just 343, sometimes people who are creating the games will take into consideration just what's so in your face. And then that upsets them because the people who are in your face about stuff are the people who will more than likely never be happy. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so this article talks about the next Halo update, how they're doing, how they're getting Forge mode in November, and split screen co-op has been canceled. Uh, Here's again where I question the community. And, And maybe I'm just so far detached that I'm in the wrong here. I don't know. But I don't understand why everyone wants a fucking Forge mode. Like, I understand it was big, what does that do for the game like i had more in my experience with halo pretty much every experience in halo that i've had has been playing split screen with somebody mm-hmm. um i played uh i think when the original xbox came out i played split screen with my cousin um in college uh i bought an xbox one to get the halo remastered collection to play split screen with my roommate mm-hmm. um you know i don't know that Justine would ever play it but i would love to have the option to do split screen with justine because halo is just one of those games i mean it is it is a mario uh it is a crash bandicoot it is a spyro it is like among that level of gaming and I feel like this was just three four three listening to the silent majority of, of Halo players who are who are pissed off. Vocal minority. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I, you know. I You're just, right. I, no, I, absolutely. But it's frustrating. It's frustrating. They're not listening to the silent majority, which is saying because they're silent. That's why. I, that's why I did a long pause. Get it? Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank you um yeah we'll have to um just in the vein of halo we'll have to have a rash on sometime yeah um definitely want to have him on to do journey into games but um i bet we could get an entire episode from him out of halo he he would he would he would maybe 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 change our opinion in a, in a way in terms of like what's actually wrong with the game um maybe. but yeah uh I, I, he's like I said, honest with Halo, and unfortunately, it seems like he's gotten shit on for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I mainly wanted to look at it from the scope of who's actually dropping the ball here. Because I think, and you brought it up perfectly, I think people are pointing the fingers a little too quick, even, um, and, and being hasty. But we'll see what happens. We'll see how Forge Mode is received. Um, and I think season three is set to release in March, if I remember correctly. Um, so maybe that'll get people back into it. We'll see. 
Um, all right, on to our next Discord article. Konami is going to announce an unknown game in a World Love series. Uh, on the count of three, let's see what that game's going to be. Ready? Okay. All right, one, two, three. Metal Gear Solid. None of Elders. Okay. Um, I think that's set for like September 15th, so we won't know until after god so not oh wait yeah next week's episode will come out when we probably find out what it is but mike and i won't know when we record next week's episode so we won't be able to talk about it until two weeks from now um but we have that i'm skipping this tweet because we're running a bit long so let's go to the sherbert bomb that i that we've pushed off one other article for oh sure bomb Jason Schreier, Mason Sherbert, whatever you choose to call him, the rumors are true. Ubisoft plans to announce several Assassin's Creed games on Saturday. Several. Let's just stop there. Several Assassin's Creed games? All right. Just making sure we all heard that. Including the two main games in in, in Infinity. There's Red, set in Japan, and Neo slash Hex, set amongst the witch trials of the Holy Roman Empire. And then he links to, because he's such a shill for Bloomberg, he links to a Bloomberg article. Um, It's almost like he works from there or something. Does he? I thought he was still working at Kotaku. Sherbert? (laughs) (laughs) I'm messing. I'm messing. Yeah, so this is crazy. Um, And the one article that we skipped over is... um, IGN had an article, Assassin's Creed Mirage, officially announced, reveal will be next week. So we're going to have a lot of Assassin's Creed news to talk about in, in a week or so. Um, I believe Mirage is a standalone game that was originally thought to be an expansion for Valhalla because it's going to follow the seam. Um, if you played Valhalla, you know what that means. And if you haven't, it's not really a spoiler. Um, eh, it's a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, but anyway, just forget I said it. Uh, Mm -hmm. but so kind of a side game that's being, you know, fleshed out into a full game that kind of scares me if I'm being honest, because that means they're going to put like the Ubisoft touch on it. And it's going to be 150 hours of, eh, you know, um, like make it a $40 game. That's, you know, a little more pared down like, um, miles Morales, right? Like Mm -hmm. they, they were pretty honest and upfront about it. And yeah, the game was a bit shorter. And honestly, that was fine because it was like pretty perfect in terms of the game. Um, so I'd love to see something like that. But what's crazy here is, so Infinity, if, I, if I'm if i remembering correctly, Infinity is like the code name or maybe it's the legit name now of the Assassin's Creed live service game that's going to be coming out, right? That's going to be like consistently updating. It could be. I don't know. And so, no, 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 that's fine. But so what shocks me about this, and, and so maybe I'm off base here, but but uh, Sherbert says two main games in Infinity. So are we talking about like two stories that you can play through within this like live service game that's consistently being updated or or what? I'm, I'm so intrigued because this could be a truly make or break moment for Assassin's Creed. You know, they had a long, they, I mean, they milked old style Assassin's Creed, you know, basically everything before Origins, they milked that for how many games? I mean, um, you have through Assassin's Creed 4, just to 
give you four titles, but then Ezio had two additional games, if not three. Um, there was like Liberations and, and Brotherhood and Unity. They were all just the same Assassin's Creed. Honestly, four was the only one that kind of differed by by having the boat combat that you hate so much. Um, so they were all basically the same. And then they made Origins, which was like such a chef's kiss, like just wow way to deviate from the norm and make something truly like special in my opinion i thought origins was so good so good um and i've played a lot of the assassin's creed i think like i played i definitely played through completely unity four and brotherhood um so i played a lot of the like tail end old style games so Origins was such like a, a breath of fresh air. Um, but now I've played Origins, I've played Odyssey, and I've played Valhalla, and I'm already after three games over it. And that's with year breaks in between. Um, so for me personally, and I'm assuming for a lot of people, this is going to be like a pretty like big moment for Assassin's Creed. We know that they've been talking about going to a, like a live service type game that's consistently getting updated. And depending on how they're going to go about that, this could either be amazing or it could fall flat very, very fast in my opinion. I do think it's funny that Ubisoft was like, Assassin's Creed is going to be on a biannual basis. And I was like, that's excellent because mm -hmm. it was getting to be too fucking much. Mm -hmm. They did that for four years, not even four years, two years. Two, like, series. Yeah. Now they're like, we're going to give you two fucking games. Yeah. And a live series. Well, again, and I don't know exactly what it means, right? But the. Yeah. Here, I think, I think we can all universally agree that what makes Assassin's Creed cool is that they spin the idea of an assassin in x time period so uh -huh. an assassin in egypt an assassin in ancient rome an assassin viking right that's cool that's super neat um i love that they did with brotherhood it was brotherhood's not the right one syndicate is the one that i meant to say each time i said brotherhood so apologies but that was the one that was like in britain and that's like 1800s so it's uh -huh. like you know and again, it like all plays a, it plays a part. But the thing that is so cool about it is like different areas, different time periods, so on and so forth. Um, so like I'm excited that like Assassin's Creed Red is going to be set in Japan. That's okay. Yeah, a Japanese assassin game, absolutely. That's no brainer, right? And then oh. Neo and Hex, uh, or Neo slash Hex that's set amongst the witch, witch trials of the Holy Holy Roman Empire. Yes, absolutely. Sure. I'm into it. Um, so if, if those are a part of like the live service where it's like kind of like maybe like a little bit shorter stories that you like kind of go down the path of. I don't know if you played Assassin's Creed Chronicles, but like those were kind of like shorter games. So if it's like in that vein mm -hmm. almost. Okay. I could kind of get on board with that. I'm, yeah. I'm super interested. Yeah, I just, I think it's such a fine line for them. Absolutely. Like, don't put out two games that are of the scale of Valhalla yeah. within a year. And I, I or saw, within two years. 
I think with Assassin's Creed, and I think Ubisoft just falls into this issue where they don't realize that sometimes less is more. Yeah. Um, you you make a game every two to three years, and I will be back in. Until then, no, probably not. And the thing is, they technically did every other year, right? But like, they had DLCs coming out in the years in mm-hmm. between anyway to like expand the story. So it's like almost making like a side game, essentially. Um, well. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. There's been over twenty Assassin's Creed games. Nuts. Yeah. And and the game the game first came out in two thousand and seven. And there were mm-hmm. there were uh there's like the Ezio collection, which is like a remaster essentially of some of the or of the Ezio games. So it's like you know obviously work and time goes into that they've had over 20 games come out and some of those were side games but over 20 games come out since 2007 it hasn't even it's been 15 years that's like they're basically releasing one and a half games a year that's bad that's not good um so yeah it'll be super and and that's taking into consideration the fact that you know there was a year between technically origins and odyssey odyssey and valhalla the mainline games so it's crazy to think about you're right it's a it's a fine line that they're walking here and um i'm super interested to come back together and it's on saturday is that this saturday that the event is i hope it is so we can talk about this next week yeah i think it is i'm really excited because um I think we both have really liked the Assassin's Creed games at, at one point or another, at the very least. You know, I, I, I mean, Assassin's Creed Two was my first platinum. That was the first game that I played the shit out of. I yeah. did everything I absolutely could. So, like, I mean, that's the reason I'm so like angry at Assassin's Creed is that at one point, it was probably my favorite game series. Yeah. And then it just became so, yeah. Up to Assassin's Creed (laughs) 4. And then they put you on a ship and you were like, no way, Jose. It's not that they put me on a ship, it's that they put me on a ship like for hours. Yeah. Well, guess what they do in Odyssey? Well, tell me, because it's on sale on Stadia right now and I'm thinking about it. There's ships, baby. It's not, it's not (laughs) as, it's not, it's not. It's not as ship dependent as four. Four is like fifty percent of the game a ship, fifty percent on land. Odyssey's more like fifteen eighty five, I would say. Fifteen percent on land, yeah, eighty five percent on ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the yeah, joke I was a... going to make. No, for me, dog. No, it's it's probably fifteen percent on ship, maybe twenty percent tops, and it's more so like you know it's just how you can like go out to islands and then like go on to the islands it's not really like it, there's not as much ship combat either which i think was like That's the most important thing um yeah uh very interested one of the longest running series you know in in our gaming lifetime we'll say um 
in terms of like we've seen since the start basically uh mm-hmm. so it'll be really interesting to see what they're about to do um because i think for years a lot of people myself included have just kind of been saying maybe just stop trying with the assassin's creed thing maybe just make a game where you do similar things to like assassinating like the like the style of the game and just like call it something else and give it a totally new story and yeah call it splinter cell and make it about sam fisher just that's just a random name i pulled out of nowhere and he works for a corporation called the third echelon a government entity but yeah cool i think it's technically a section of the nsa Kind of like uh, James Bond working for MI6. Yeah, but in, like in a way. less British. Yeah, but more America. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> we'll see. I'm excited for that. And that was a fun little sherb bomb before we got into the, the discussion today. That's it, though. That's it for our, our Discord. Yeah, is. is there anything yeah. else? Anything else you want yeah. to touch on, Mike? absolutely not all right that's a wrap thank you all so much for listening um trying to think next week is the end that'll be the season finale of season two of the good game bad game podcast and the following year or the following episode we'll be celebrating the beginning of year three of the podcast so depending on how busy the uh the news cycle is maybe we can reflect on year two and uh you know come up with some ideas of what we want to do in year three but until then uh you still have another week to go through hopefully some more assassin's creed hopefully we're happy with what assassin's creed decides to do or we're just going to totally avoid it we'll see Mm -hmm. um but as always thank you all so much for listening and uh do us a favor and wherever you can rate the podcast leave a review if possible um share it with a friend share it with an enemy we don't care uh realistically we just care about the listen and um the only the only person we care about most importantly 